Welcome to another episode of Indecent Behavior. This one is going to be about therapy, which is something I've been wanting to cover for a little while. And we've got Sheila Butler, who's a clinical psychologist with 10 years of experience in psychotherapy and counseling. Welcome, Sheila. Hi, Divya. Thank you so much for having me in this discussion today. As a psychologist, what are the questions that you get asked the most? So majorly the question that I receive as a, a psychologist is, what is therapy? What do you psychologists do differently that, uh, you know, a psychiatrist cannot do or a psychiatrist does? Who needs it? Who And why do we need it? These are the most common uh, questions that we often come across. In the simplest way possible, can you explain and tell all of us what therapy is? So therapy is a process where you actually meet a qualified therapist who is non-judgmental. That is the main criteria. Who is actually ready to resolve and listen to your problems that you are facing. When I say problems, it's mostly mental problems that you possibly will have, which is affecting your emotional and behavioral status. It could either be, uh, you know, mental or emotional. It could be mental and emotional status, which is actually affecting your living. This is when you realize, okay, you know what? I have something that is not right. I need to meet someone. I need to talk someone. That is where you are entering into therapy. Do you think there's still a lot of stigma attached to therapy? Of course, there is a lot of stigma behind attending a therapy session or about therapy. Um, People would probably, you know, come to you and ask you, oh my God, what's wrong with you? Are you mad? Why do you need therapy? Oh my God, don't be mad. The The word mad in itself is, is, is very sort of a negative impact on that particular person's personality. I've had a lot of patients who walked into the room and said, don't tell anyone that I see you because it's not nice. It's not nice to, you know, for my family or for me. It just doesn't give out the right vibe. <laughs> so there, there is a lot of stigma in India, especially there is a lot of stigma when it comes to anybody admitting that they're going through therapy. After having done this for 10 years, do you think that the number of people coming into therapy has increased? And do you think that's also because the stigma as much as it's there is going down? The stigma is definitely there. We cannot say that the stigma is not there. It is definitely there. But people are getting bolder to walk into the room and ask for therapy, which is a good thing, which we should all encourage that particular step. However, there is still lack of awareness that therapy is good. Therapy is recommended. Definitely, there is a spike in, you know, people walking into my room. Uh, like you mentioned over the years. Yes, I have definitely seen a spike in uh, people accepting that they need therapy and they are looking you know, to accept therapy. So that's that's a good thing for all of us. I also really want to understand if age plays a factor because I think a lot of our followers are of different age groups. So say somebody who's really young can get dismissed off and be told that you're too young and you don't really know or have much experience in life, you don't need therapy. Or maybe somebody who's really old might get dismissed off by saying you've experienced so much in life, you should know how to handle things. Do you think age plays a factor? I might sound very uh, rhetorical right now. However, <laughs> let me just go ahead and uh, put it out there. At every age, we, we may or may not develop certain issues depending on the environment that we grow. So what happens is, let's say that you have a child who is dyslexic. The the identification happens at, uh, say, six years, seven years of age. So at every age, there is one particular, uh, you know, um, 
issue and one sort of approach towards um, therapy so the same therapy is not given to a 6 year old and a and a 12 year old or a, a, a 60 year old but there is intervention happening so when you say that is it fine for anybody to come or is it there is no age factor there is no age factor however therapy is present for every age factor therapy for a 6 year old can be can be termed under learning disability and uh, a, a therapy for a 15 year old can be personality development 33 year old can be phobia and a 60 year old can be just pure loneliness battling with loneliness battling with lack of companionship these things but but therapy is present at every age so there are therapies for every age however we are unaware of these things i'm really glad you touched on the fact that all age groups sort of come to therapy different age groups experience different things and it's not sort of a one size fits all approach that's followed because again all our experiences are different depending on the things we've experienced over our lifetime so do you think in general does the type of therapy people come in for dependent on their age and when i say that i mean do you think some age groups prefer doing virtual sessions or do you think some age groups prefer coming in in person have you sort of seen a shift in the type of therapy people want pre pandemic to post pandemic we actually are taught in our subject that it is to be done or it is done in a room where it's actually physically given a you know and portrayed a safe space for a, a person walking in pre pandemic it was very normal natural textbook oriented patient walks into the room is given you know utmost comfort and safety and told them you know what you can go ahead and speak to us or you know disclose things then all this will be stay confidential but when it's uh, during pandemic or post pandemic things have changed things have uh, rather become a lot more i can't say difficult but different <laughs> definitely different but uh, the effect of having a one on one session a face to face interaction is very different from uh, you know a virtual therapy session because primarily we are dealing with emotions we are dealing with touching upon emotions and i don't think there will be patient and therapist bonding over a virtual therapy session i'm not saying i'm against it i am not saying it's not going to work out it would definitely work if you have a follow up case let's say i've already i've already seen uh, this particular patient in my cabin uh, in at the hospital and i'm taking it virtually that works great so there are pros and cons when it comes to uh, therapy virtually and face to face however any therapist you ask <laughs> i'm sure they will you know uh, vote for face to face because it has a it has a deeper meaning it has a deeper impact purely because it is therapy it's counseling sessions and we need to be there for that particular person to open up and to tell them it's okay <laughs> that's the main thing it's it's okay you want to cry it's okay you want to vent it's all right and giving that space zone i think it's somewhere lacking when it comes to virtual because we've seen how virtual works even if you lock yourself up in in a room and you know uh, try and uh, 
uh, open up. You still have that, you know, an ounce of fear somewhere. What if someone's listening outside? What if someone is judging me outside? That is always there. And environment plays a huge role when it comes to um, disclosing the most deepest feelings. I think you explained that really, really well, because again, all of us are so used to doing so much that we do virtually that we think anything can be done virtually. But like you said, I think that human connect sort of goes missing when you don't do it in person. So for anybody who has been considering doing virtual sessions, if you do have the option, like she said, please do them in person because they can be a lot more effective, I'm sure. I'd like to go back a bit to the previous episode, which was about Tena's journey through postpartum depression. It was incredible. She was incredible and really gave us so much insight into it. If you could shed more light about PPD, that would be great. Postpartum depression in India has been underlooked. We need to start addressing where we need to start talking more about uh, a lot of uh, new hospitals. When I say new hospitals, a lot of private hospitals have started a post-delivery uh, uh, therapy sessions for the mother and, and throwing light into this particular area, mental illness for a newly delivered mom, which is which is a good thing. However, there is a lot more deeper than what we are just looking at the surface. Glad to hear that they actually have therapy that they're introducing, at least in the private hospitals. But can you sort of dive into what you mean when you say there's a lot more that needs to happen? Because to me, that is definitely a first step and an essential first step that a lot of places are lacking. So at least for a mother to be told about it beforehand and before experiencing these traumatizing symptoms that she could experience, what else do you think needs to be done? Indian family setup. Uh, when I say Indian family setup, I'm talking about the let's let's uh, assume that we have a mother who is uh, about to deliver. She's still, uh, you know, let's say 32, 34 uh, weeks and she's fine. She's absolutely fine. She's healthy. She is happy. Uh, she's got all the support that she needs. However, we are not uh, you know, dwelling or looking at only the mother. The the fact that when I said, you know, there's a lot more to look into, we need to have family sessions. This is something that lacks uh, completely, you know, in India. I have uh, personally had these sessions with my uh, patients when it comes to any sort of, uh, you know, even an ounce of postpartum depression that is identified. I make sure that the in-laws are sat down, the parents are sat down of the of the patient and just plain awareness that this is something that exists. Uh, like Tina rightly mentioned, you know, suck it up. <laughs> this is something if, if nobody heard the previous, uh, you know, podcast, please go ahead and listen to it. It's beautiful. Um, and uh, the way she said it, it, it comes with so much of conviction, so much of determination, you know, she said it so well that yes every mother says it every mother-in-law would say it it's just that you know they have somewhere forgotten because they have dealt with it they have overcome it but the times that we are dealing right now is entirely different the pressure that we go through is entirely different there are a lot more viruses there are a lot more diseases there are a lot more other things that are happening which didn't exist in their time so when I say that there's a lot more to, you know, uh, look into this, I am throwing light onto certain things that they are unaware of. So a family session before delivery and post delivery, a family session 
would be wonderful to make sure that everything is going well everything is going okay making sure that you know the the bond or uh, the support system that uh, the woman has is stronger because that is what matters that is the main and core crux for a good health postpartum that is very very important 100% awareness is everything and just not just making yourself aware being a mother specific to ppd but also getting your family involved and getting them to understand what you're going through is i think one of the best ways to overcome any sort of hurdles that we face as women and just generally in life but to come back to general therapy as well have you seen more people get their families involved or do you think it's still a one on one sort of uh intervention that happens do you think if they were to involve their families because a lot of depression also stems from those issues do you think if they involved their families they'd be able to overcome some of these demons that they're sort of trying to fight so the family will be involved only after patient and the therapist have agreed it will not be done if one of the parties have disagreed right uh, there are certain clauses when you uh, you know when when actually one is enrolled for therapy there are certain clauses so it's not mandatory that a family is always kept informed however in a case of threat definitely family will be uh, you know informed but again it's not a mandatory thing that the family knows what's happening in therapy but if there is a need that arises where that the family must be involved must be kept you know aware must be involved in one particular session then it's done Do you think that that makes people more hesitant to share and be open and honest with their therapist because as much as one would like to do that we always want to project being the best version of ourselves especially to our families and I think that's very ingrained in our culture and just as human beings we want our family to think the best of us so do you think that makes people hesitant because they don't want their families to look at them any differently Yes sometimes as uh, as close as you are with your family you you would still keep them you know at a distance in certain situations when a family is brought into therapy there's a whole lot of chaos that arises or a whole lot of chaos that is decreased so again it's subjective but i'm not saying that it is necessary for a family to intervene but yes if there is a need then it should be done again since therapy is so stigmatized in india i don't think a lot of us have enough clarity about how do you approach a therapist where do you find a good therapist how many sessions should you have because i'm sure there's also no sort of right number or wrong number to it it depends from case to case but in general if you could just touch on where can i find a good therapist how do i go about that and after that how many sessions should i ideally be prepared to go in for because i from just knowing what i know i don't think one session will ever solve anything so on average how many sessions do you think somebody needs to really benefit from it the number of sessions are subjective there have been patients who who just walked out with two sessions and there have been patients who attended 30 sessions and also it depends on the diagnosis if a person's walking in with a clinical you know diagnosis there is a lot of uh, work that is involved which which would require a lot of you know sessions if you are looking for a clinical psychologist you will often find them in a hospital setting if you are looking for a counseling psychologist or a psychotherapist you can always find them online 
the things that you need to look out for will be their their expertise what have they majored in what are uh, the therapy that they are offering go ahead call them ask them feel free to you know th- this is one thing that i will always tell everyone feel free to go ahead and um you know walk into their space and ask them walk into their office ask them uh what what kind of patients do you have uh, th- this is my this is my concern go ahead meet them for an assessment tell them that this is what i'm going through can you help me is it your expertise if you do not have anyone uh, if you are not the expert please guide me to one it's always okay to do this and i think nobody will understand you better other than a therapist so we are we've all faced it as therapists i have we've had people walking in and asking can you treat me what is your expertise if i cannot do it i will guide them to another or refer to another psychologist so it's okay go ahead and open up that's that's the first thing Okay taking that into account let's assume i need about 15 sessions i obviously do not know that before i start and then i probably realize that over the course of doing my therapy is there a set frequency at which i should do my sessions do i need to come in to see you once a week twice a week is that also pretty subjective yes again it's subjective now let's assume that we have a patient with phobia now how often uh, do you enter into a zone or an environment where you are triggered if it's thrice a week uh so we make sure that you have a session before you come in contact with your trigger so we sort of give you that particular you know mindset or um therapeutic um intervention where you know how to deal with these triggers before you enter so let's say that uh, at least two sessions in a week would be mandatory for this particular case however again depends from person to person depends from case to case also financial situation that's that's also primary because mental health is not like just walking in for a consultation with a doctor it requires time it's very time consuming um every session is ideally for 50 minutes it can go for 1 hour 1 hour 10 minutes ideally it has to just be for 15 minutes it has to be for 15 minutes though we we often give a buffer you know from patient to patient like i said it's time consuming and there is a lot of money factor that is involved so it's not like um we are going to a doctor for a headache consultation fee is about 500 or 700 it it is not like that so when we are looking at therapy you know that therapy costs um a lot more than a normal consultation with a doctor I think in general a lot of us are hesitant when you go to a professional wondering you can't ask them certain things so I'm really glad that you said that we should ask them and if they don't do it and are not able to address what we want to address that they would be able to recommend somebody else for us so thank you so much for doing this I think this was also an incredible episode just shedding more light on what therapy is because I think a lot of us don't know what it is and for some of us that do know I think there's still such a big stigma that you helped really break that so thank you so much and i cannot wait to have you on more episodes with us thank you so much divya for having me and i thoroughly enjoyed talking about mental health talking about everything that we, that uh, we do as therapists thank you so much for this opportunity again